0: Hey, Media People podcast listeners. If you enjoy the podcast, then you're going to love our newsletter, appropriately named the Media People Newsletter. Delivered right to your inbox, each edition is a mix of original and curated content designed to feed your curiosity while aiding in personal development. On top of more podcasts, we'll connect you with articles, interviews, and industry events. Subscribe at mediapeople.ca forward newsletter or go to mediapeople.beehive.com. That's B-E-E-H-I-I-V. Thanks for listening to the Media People podcast, lively and insightful chats with the people who power the media industry. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, you can go to mediapeople.ca or subscribe wherever you get podcasts, including youtube.com slash mediapeoplepodcast. Views expressed by participants are personal. Marketer, educator, podcaster, and founder, Darian Kovach stops by to chat. Darian and I talk about growing up in the border town of Tawasin, British Columbia, studying art education and visual arts at the University of Victoria, his time as a youth worker in Surrey, and his entrepreneurial endeavors, which include Jelly Digital Marketing and PR Agency, the Jelly Academy, and Marketing News Canada.
1: I'm at Jelly Digital Marketing and PR. I'm a a partner there where we work with a bunch of different brands where we do their media buying, manage their digital ads, do their PR. Uh, Been around for about 10 years. Uh, Really fun firm. Where we uh, our business card is actually a jelly jar with strawberry jelly in it, where uh, we made it in Niagara Falls actually. so uh, it's delicious. It's strawberry. And then I, I work as well. At, we've created an uh, academy, so we realized that there was a lot of schools out there, but not a lot of schools focusing on new collar workers, which is kind of jobs that never existed five, ten years ago. So working uh, there at Jelly Academy, I get the chance to uh, kind of help develop and grow the school. We had just about 700 grads last year that uh, got jobs in the digital marketing space. And then for fun, I get to work in this trade publication called Marketing News Canada. Uh, It's been a podcast for about eight years, turned into a digital publication. We did our first magazine this last year and published our first book. I have had guests on like Seth Godin to Guy Kawasaki to marketing folks from like Lego and Peloton and uh, other really cool brands. Darian, I don't think I've ever
0: had a guest wearing more hats concurrently than you. So thank you so much for stopping by to chat today.
1: But before we bring it full circle, let's go back to the beginning. Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in uh, Edmonton, originally was born there. uh, So lived in a little place called Spruce Grove and then moved to uh, Tawasin and then ended up at University of Victoria uh, to study visual arts and uh, child and youth care and then ended up in uh, Gastown. For a good season in Cloverdale, and now currently live in what's called Fort Langley, British Columbia. Which place have you spent
0: the most time in, or at least in your your childhood? Let's say from like time of birth to uh, before moving to Victoria for university. Where did you spend most of your time? Towsin,
1: also known as South Delta. Tell us a little bit about Towsin. What's it like? It's amazing. It's uh, this little. It's it's literally the the mainland of Canada, bottom left hand corner. So it's the place where you go to catch the ferry to go to Vancouver Island. Um, It's actually where when they made the 49th parallel, they kind of, I think, forgot about this little part. So at the south of Tawasin, and this is a one high school town, keep in mind, at the bottom of Tawasin, very south, is a border, actually. So it's like a two little station border crossing where you can go through and go to America. And as a kid, we go there and get like cool American cereals and Charleston shoes and all these foods and candies that weren't in Canada yet. I've looked this up correctly before. So it's an island that more or less is in Canada, but just the south tip of it is actually in the United States. You got it. Exactly. And it's not
0: and it's not connected
1: to mainland United States. It's not. It's not. So if you uh, grew up there, I had a friend, Sean Fraser grew up there, um, but he had to take a bus. He had to go through the border, back into Canada, then go around to White Rock and then back through another border and go to high school in Blaine, Washington. Oh, geez. That sounds bureaucratic and cumbersome and exhausting. Yeah. I think they were kind to the bus people, though. I think they let them through quickly because they had to do four border crossings a day. Well, what was
0: that border crossing like? Because I'm I'm in Toronto and I'm outside of Niagara Falls. Yeah.
1: And I can tell you
0: that. Excuse my language. Some days it can be an absolute shit show getting across the border. What,
1: What was it like there? Was it quite practical, quite, quite easy? Well, pre-9-11, like growing up, you would just you you wouldn't go through the traditional border crossing. You'd just walk over as a kid. Like you'd walk along the beach, you'd go through little gates you knew about, little and there was great mountain biking over there. So we were there mountain biking all the time. Um, but then post, um, they had a ton of border patrol. Um, you need to go through the border every time. And like Fourth of July and a few other like super sunny holiday weekends when the beaches are just gorgeous down in Point Roberts, it can be maybe a twenty to thirty minute wait um but usually it's really quick usually two or three cars what were your interests or hobbies growing up you know I loved uh to swim I I still love to swim actually so it was something I grew up doing um I played rugby from grade 8 to 12 in high school and then I just played club uh, in university um love skiing uh, um Cyprus was kind of the mountain I skied at and Loved doing that. And then really collected a lot of comic books, was really into like Marvel. So back in the day, it was like Fantastic Four and Spider Man were my go tos. I used to go to like comic conventions and, and such. We can talk a little bit about that. I was a big comic book guy. I was
0: more DC, but I did have some Marvel. Is there like, is there a specific series that resonates with you? Like when you look at that, that's my childhood?
1: Yeah. I, um, there's an artist. So I, 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 I love drawing. And so there's an artist named Todd McFarlane who got, actually, he started oh, with, very
0: Hull. familiar with Todd, Todd
1: McFarlane. Okay, so he started with Hulk, went into Amazing Spider Man, and then he got to do his own Spider Man series. So he invented like spaghetti webbing. Yeah, invented Venom. Remember, remember the character. that? Yeah, and I actually went and met him at a comic convention, got him to sign one of my comic books. And um, but yeah, an incredible artist. That I, just his style and his flow is just some of my favorite art to follow and watch. Apart from the spaghetti, uh, apparently uh, Stan Lee gave it that name the spaghetti webbing and he hated it
0: but eventually it caught on and he had to stick with it and he was also the first one to actually draw spider-man as kind of like this sort of like awkward lanky person and in those weird twisted positions midway through the air Uh, see i got to know todd McFarlane because he also did a run on batman and he did batman year two and what he was famous for on Batman Year 2 was he drew the cape as if it was alive, and it was, like, yes. larger than
1: life. And yeah. did you ever get into any Spawn comics? I did. I got really, really into Spawn a lot. Like, and then like, it got he, too dark for me, got too freaky, and I just stopped because I was like, I can't do this. I, I thought it was freaky from, like, day number yeah. one. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did you see Spawn
0: the movie, like, the very first one with John Leguizamo?
1: I, I never did. I never, I never it, ventured out.
0: It's ahead of its time, like, right down mm-hmm. to – it's probably the very first movie where part of the suit was actually computer animated because the cape oh, had to be, of course, because it was yeah. alive. Yeah. And it's hard to believe that this movie was from like, I think, 96, maybe yeah. 95, 96. But anyways, have you noticed that Spawn seems to be like an amalgamation of like, just visually an amalgamation
1: of Batman and Venom? Oh, 100%. And I'm sure he would have no shame in saying that. Like, you can see all the connections and build up to that. And, and it was actually interesting because he was part of the kind of the image revolution when all these artists... Yes. wanted to leave DCMR. So Eric Larson was one of the artists I followed as well. He had a run on Amazing Spider-Man too, and kind of his style was a little more boxy, a little more technical, and I, I kind of liked his style as well. See, for me, the artists that I grew
0: up with were Jim Aparo, who was drawing Batman in the 80s, okay. and then uh, Norm – I'm going to mess up his last name – Norm Brayfogle. Okay. And his family, he, he passed away years ago, but his family still operates an Instagram uh, page for him. And he had similarities to McFarlane where – he drew the cape as if it was alive and larger than life. And these really kind of like demonic poses, like it wasn't Batman standing up straight always. And if it was, he had very squared shoulders or he'd be hunched over a gargoyle or anything yeah. like that. A lot yeah. of stuff, a lot of those
1: uh, influences. Hey, do you follow McFarland toys on Instagram? You know what? I, I don't, I don't. And, and I will say this. I got, I, I have ventured to DC. I will admit this. Cause I know you're a DC guy. Frank Miller brought me into the DC world. And so I've, uh, I've, spent some D- time in the DC universe. Thanks to Frank. We could go on about comic books all the time, but,
0: uh, your first job, I asked this question to a lot of my guests and usually mm-hmm. I get things like babysitter. Uh,
1: they had mm-hmm. a paper route or they yep. were in fast food and it seems like you were in the restaurant business, but you were a dishwasher. Correct. Yeah. I, I watched this at the manor house in Twasan. It was next to the movie theater. We had a single screen movie theater in town. What did you learn about yourself um, from your first job? You know what? I, I will admit this. I, I technically got hired as a busboy. Um, but because I was so clumsy and not great with like hand-eye coordination and pouring water and picking up dishes, and I got caught a few times eating food off the plates because I was so hungry as a teenager. And I was way too social. I'd want to talk to everyone and I got distracted really easily. So I learned that about myself. Like I needed to be in the back just doing the hard labor job, not being out socializing with everyone because that's not what they were paying me to do. So I, uh, I learned I loved people and was curious about people, but also was in a very clumsy stage of my life. See, it's funny. I had that issue in school where I
0: was told I was too social and I always talk to people and they'd make me sit outside of the classroom for it. I was always getting in trouble for it. Lo and behold, you had that issue too on the job and now both of us are podcasters. Had they just told us to embrace that, maybe we'd be a little bit further ahead in our podcasting
1: endeavors. So I had that special chair at at the front of the room, often distracts others, all those fun little things. What brought you to the University of Victoria and why did you choose to uh, choose to study art education and visual arts? Yeah, my uh, older brother, I have two older brothers, my middle one was there already studying and I thought it'd be great to live there. My uh, uncle and aunt were there who um, my dad came over as a refugee from Hungary, married my mom. His three older sisters all married Hungarian men. And so, but growing up, I never got to learn the Hungarian language, much of it, or Hungarian food. So I was excited to live in Victoria where my uncle Frank was and LDK and could learn some Hungarian cooking. Um, And also I got in. So I I, uh, went there to do visual art. So I I love to paint and draw and that sort of stuff. And so, and my mom was really excited because she also wanted me to not just do drawing for a living or art. And so I discovered a program at the University of Victoria that was called Art Education, which is the prep and setup so that you can either become like an art and play therapist or in a hospital setting, it's called a Child Life Worker. So they do, again, similarly art and play therapy for uh, children in the hospital setting. So I spent a year, part of that learning experience at a place called Canuck Place. So it's a children's hospice in Vancouver, and then spent time at a children's hospital in Vancouver, so in the oncology floor. It sounds like you had boomer parents. From the boomer generation is that correct i think so i think so
0: because uh, I, i'm drawing on the parallel between my parents and your parents where if you indulge in the arts they start to think oh my god he could become unemployed
1: like they don't view it as a career and so it just my dad the- liked it though my dad was stoked he liked but also my cousin was like a professional artist so he saw that someone could become a career artist
0: Your first job after graduation, what brought you to the city
1: of Surrey, and uh, what attracted you to the role of being a youth worker? Uh, There was an open job opening, uh, but I was also, at the same time I was working for the city of Surrey, I also was a a youth pastor at a large church where there was like five of us youth pastors at the time, and so I didn't want to just work in the church setting though because I thought it'd be important to work in both worlds, and so I took a job working for the city of Surrey as well. So, what's the difference between, say, a youth pastor and, I guess, an adult pastor? Yeah, we had like a group. There was like 300 youth who were like 13 to 17, so like high school, junior high age. Uh, and then our job was to host like the weekly gathering at the church each week, and then sometimes there'd be like Sunday school, and we'd go on like trips and different events, and uh, and host different you know things for the youth. So we, our our job was just to make sure the youth felt engaged and were learning about themselves and their soul was being uh, cared for and they're learning about kind of like the the things of the invisible while they're in high school. What did you learn
0: about yourself? Because being that heavily involved in religion, I imagine you were referring back to the scriptures and
1: studying them in ways that you hadn't studied them before. I think all of it, any job really has been journeying with people and learning from people and kind of their perspective, their angle, their ideas, their thoughts, their perspective on kind of, you know, the creator, about who they are in this world, and, and most of the time, people just wanted to be seen and heard. Is what I think I really learned was our job as people, our job as kind of caregivers, our job as friends is really just to come alongside people, and if we can help them um, be seen, be heard, uh, maybe even give some direction so they can go in a kind of a more positive uh, place in their life, then hey, we've done a we've done a good thing with our day. Did you find that a lot of your education courses you
0: took at Uvic? came into play practically?
1: Uh, I th- parts of it, parts of it for sure. Like it was nice just to have that uh, undergirding, but I actually never finished my bachelor's. I actually uh, never completed it because I needed to do a much longer practicum, an unpaid practicum and, and one of the courses which I never finished. So I, I actually have not gotten my bachelor's, but um, I got the chance to kind of work in the sector I wanted to work in. So you know, I was uh, I, I haven't been motivated yet to go back. Why do you think that is for entrepreneurs?
0: You hear that, that it's like, where did you go to university? Oh, here's where I went. What did you study here? And then
1: they finish the story by, but I didn't graduate. Well, I can speak for myself. Like I just never, um, you know, education is super awesome. It's important. I've got a 17 year old. I'm hoping he goes off to university next year. hoping he goes to school. I think I was just in a time and a space where the job I wanted to get, I was able to stumble into and find. And they were not concerned about the degree or if I had a degree or a piece of paper at the time. So it was uh, kind of the opportunity came and I was able to to jump in. Your first taste of marketing came in high school and it was in an
0: unpaid job. You were volunteering the ICBC. Yeah. yeah. What, what, does the, what does the
1: acronym stand for? So it's our, the Insurance Corporation of British Columbia. They hosted this event uh, every year called REAL. So really excited about leadership in life. It was REAL squared. And it was managed by these two twins, Almira and Jobina Bardai. And Almira, actually, fun fact, has gone on and she started a PR agency called Jive PR and we became peers. And I still can attest, like my first kind of glimpse and taste of things that were PR related and marketing related for an event was from Elmira. She showed me the way and, and I fell in love with PR. I fell in love with the power that when you promote an event and you can get media out and press out, the amount of like hype, And kind of like propulsion and, you know, kind of getting the word out there, was just, it's so powerful when you can know how to relate to the media and relate to the press.
0: I had a chance to plan a couple of, a couple of conferences in Toronto, specifically digital day. And I got to tell you, and let me know if, uh, if you share the same sentiments, but it's kind of like cramming for a test. It's like there's a lot of work leading up to it, but the day of is when you absolutely have to perform and everything can go right. There's everything can go wrong. There are things that happen in between, even though you don't want anything to go wrong. It's kind of nice when things do, because you learn to think how
1: to think on your feet and you know how to prepare yourself for the next conference as well. Did you find that or? Oh, a hundred percent. And I, my gift was again, my, kind of my strength and what I learned about myself through it was I, I was great at the promotion and getting people there and hyping people up to be there. And even hyping people up to like register for next year's conference during the conference. But once I was at the event, I'm not really like an operations guy or a manager. And so that part of the conference didn't excite me. But like the green room parties and like the hanging out with like speakers, that's where I fell in love with podcasting actually was we hosted um, the Canadian Internet Marketing Conference in Squamish. And a friend of mine started recording every speaker after they came off the stage and handed me this file and was like, hey, I've got you know, 20 interviews from all these speakers from like Google and man, you, you know, was it Pixar and all these brands? Um, I'm going to put in this thing called a podcast and, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And so that's how our podcast first started was just taking that. And then when I ended up uh, selling the event, I got had it acquired by uh, another company. I kept the podcast going because I just missed that part of like interacting with like super smart, awesome speakers that would come. But the podcast was way easier because we could just do it over Riverside. What did you learn about yourself when you were doing those interviews? Just how, whatever, not smart I am. I just, <laughs> I how, say that. How, how far I am from, yeah, I, I think every time I, I call them almost like micro mentorship moments. I get this chance to just sit uh, almost at the feet of these super like smart, wise, learned people. And uh, it's incredible. And, and just how sharp and well-read and interesting people are in this world. I, I love every interview I've had gotten to do. Do you have a particular interview that stands out though? Uh, one where I like, I forgot to hit record. That would be definitely one. Oh and, no. Yeah. That's happened twice now. And that's awkward. And then like a quarter through, I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, one time I was like the, I was interviewing the co-founder of Netflix and like, there was some sort of glitch on my computer. Like, I don't know if it was a power surge or something where like, so the middle of the interview actually got lost. And so I had it cause you know, it's, I didn't realize that it. it stopped recording. And so I, hit record again, but if there's a big chunk of it, I missed. Um, so those are two very memorable interviews because of how awkward they were. I'm double checking the recording button right
0: now. while You said I'm getting a little bit, I'm a little paranoid, but I think we've got everything together. Where did the idea from jelly digital marketing PR agency come from? Like, where did you have that aha moment where you
1: said, you know what? The only way to do this is on my terms. You know, I've always like, I've, I've always kind of dabbled in trying things. Like I had a little uh, ski waxing business when I was in high school, like I would edge skis and wax them. Um, university, I was always trying different projects. I, I, I wrote a bunch of curriculum while I was in university that got published. So I created my own publishing company versus going through a kind of a mainstream publisher. Um, so I've always dabbled, but I always, at the same time, I think it was kind of like the yin and yang of I always had a job somewhere else working for someone. Like I worked for my school newspaper doing the illustrations. So uh the chance when I realized the culmination of like, man, I love marketing for events. I loved marketing for apps, but I didn't want to produce events anymore because I had a job where I was producing all these events. I didn't want to build apps anymore because it was like, man, anyone. And, you know, it, it was becoming almost too easy to build an app, just with all the tools and kind of prefabbed uh, app templates out there. So I realized I should just start something where I'm just purely doing marketing instead of kind of doing this and. So uh, we launched Jelly. I, I was out for brunch actually with my mom trying to come up with a name at the time. And there's all these little jars of Jelly at the table at the Fairmont. And I thought those are perfect. I took a few home, checked to see if the two-word domain name was available, jellymarketing.com. It was. And then I put those jars in the sink and got new labels and put them on there for our, with our brand. And then I kept doing that. I go back to Fairmont and get more jars, <laughs> take off the labels, put new ones on. Uh eventually okay So I did go back and pay them back for all the jars I took over the years. <laughs> um but that's kind of how it got started. And today we actually order jars from Niagara Falls and the label now has a free little website on it actually where you can actually order peanut butter and bread uh including gluten-free bread or nut-free peanut butter to go with your uh your jelly. Did you pick up
0: the Fairmont as a client? No,
1: I have not. No, I have not. Who was your first client though? Who was our first? You know what at the time Because of my background in doing apps and event production, we had, it was mostly apps actually was who we were working for. So apps that we're about to launch is what we became known for really because of my background and events. So we were doing a bunch of like promotion and uh, awareness for some Lego events in the area. And uh, the Warner Brothers Lego movie was just about to come out as well. So we did some PR work for them. Uh, And then the local apps for Chamber of Commerce, we did a bunch of videos for them. Those are some kind of like the early day clients.
0: We're going to take a quick
1: break. Enjoying
0: this episode? Of course you are, or you wouldn't have made it this far. Compliment your listening experience by subscribing to the Media People newsletter at mediapeople.ca forward slash newsletter or at mediapeople.beehive.com. It's a mix of original and curated content designed to feed your curiosity while aiding in personal development. On top of more podcasts, we'll connect you with articles, interviews, and industry events. Subscribe at mediapeople.ca forward slash newsletter or mediapeople.beehive.com.
1: What's different about the company from, say, day number one versus to where you are today? Ooh, we are no longer in a storage closet. We were in like a co-working <laughs> space that became it was it was this web agency storage closet. It was it was amazing. Um, uh, we've used a tool called Basecamp as a project management tool, been a big game changer for us. Those are probably the two biggest shifts, I'd say. Um Yeah, but yeah, since day one, I think, you know what, other one was, we were always doing SEO, but we didn't talk about it because again, it had such a bad reputation, but now we're like proudly doing SEO and really excited about also with our academy training people on how SEO really works because that really is a really skilled trade and it's an important discipline and it's okay to, you know, bring it to light and make sure people know that, hey, SEO is a a really skilled professional job Uh, and there's, sure some people have made bad uh, reputation of it and bad light of it, but we're trying to. Change that. What about Shelley Academy? Where did the idea come from to start dabbling in education? One of our clients was, could you train me to do what you do? And instead of, you know, she's like, I I don't have the budget anymore. I can't outsource it. So we're like, yeah, that's great. And we'd make some money while we do it. So she paid us to train her and we realized we loved it. And because of my background in doing youth work um, and writing curriculum, I was like, man, I love this. So we built more curriculum and we started training more in-house teams to upskill the in-house staff or to bring staff in-house so that they could didn't have to outsource all the time and then we tried it where we there's a university about five minutes from our office we tried like an open cohort where anyone kind of could register for it off the street and we filled it up we sold it out with 40 students and then we kept that going Um, and then we got some criticism because we're in Langley which is like an hour outside Vancouver so we tried this thing called Zoom and then a year later COVID hit and so we were already set up teaching our school through zoom also our kind of there's two major competitors at the time brain station red academy and red academy went bankrupt um so we also filled that big void as far as call it new collar training opportunities and you guys like you said you were
0: totally set up for zoom school just by the fact that you guys were already an hour outside of vancouver and yeah. there was that
1: desi- desire for remote learning so it was just flipping a switch for you guys or it was just like business as usual yeah exactly and i think also unique about us was um being that i'm uh from the metis uh nation i you know have a lot of friends who are you know first nations inuit we understood what it was like for maybe some more remote remote worker you know kind of workers who wanted to learn stuff forget upskilling and we started working with more indigenous communities and nations to provide the training for themselves. And then we saw some communities and businesses that were like, we're really excited about getting indigenous staff. And so we've been working on that intentionally to really diversify our uh, our industry. That's something you
0: have front and center on your LinkedIn profile, that you are an indigenous business leader. Anyone who visits your LinkedIn profile is going to see that. Why is it important for you to have that
1: prominent within your profile? Well, I think it's, it, just the identification, -identification. self-identification. Those that are also indigenous, there's kind of that connection there. Those that are kind of like younger and up and coming and kind of want to see other indigenous folks who have kind of gone ahead of themselves to kind of break down some walls and barriers um, helps them as well. So it's kind of multi-reasons. As my grandma would say, she doesn't like the violent, you know, kill two birds with one stone. She'd say, feed multiple birds with one grain.
0: The idea for Marketing News Canada, where did that come from? Did you see a gap in the trade publications that
1: you said, aha, you know what? Here's what my team at Jelly and I can fill. You know what? It was actually that event we did and the podcast that got started and then we realized Heritage Canada won't uh, fund podcasts. They don't believe at the time and, and still today, they don't really believe that podcasts are a form of media yet. Oh, and but they, they will, will
0: make you register your podcast yeah. if you have 10 million in revenue. That's a separate episode Yeah, I could separate.
1: do. Yeah. And so they, uh, I, but I just for fun, I was like, I want to see what this process is like. So I registered us as a magazine, joined Magazines Canada. So we took like uh, 50 of our episodes and turned them into articles. And because we then had a digital publication, we got funded by the digital aid to publishers. So we were registered with Heritage Canada all of a sudden. And then for fun, we thought it'd be cool to do a magazine uh, because that, you know, there's really only two other publishers at the time. It was, you know, Bernico's Strategy. And then The Message uh, started up as well at the time. So the other thing we did, which had never been done before, and this is a sad fact, this is two years ago. There had yet to be a marketing communications PR jury or a winner of a marketing award that was not white. And so we actually hosted the first marketing award jury that had non-white jury members, which is sounds so shocking that that is the first of its kind in Canada um, and the first winners of its kind in Canada. Um, but it was really exciting to get to be a part of that, uh, bringing that to life. And then we set up the Marketing Hall of Fame, have uh, Marketing Prof of the Year Award, and, um, the podcast keeps going. And then we've got a few syndicators and, uh, writers that, uh, published on the site as well. Gary.
0: And if anyone listening wants to learn more about marketing news, Canada or bookmark the site, yeah, where,
1: where can they go? They just Google marketing news, Canada. It'll it's we're like the first thing that pop up and just marketing news, And if anyone wants to subscribe to your podcast, same thing, yeah. Marketing news, Canada, that's the name available wherever you get podcasts. You got it. You got it. And also randomly. We used to be called Marketing Jam because I thought it was a cool name. Um, and we even have one of our seasons is on Amazon Prime if you are a Prime subscriber. So they uh, it's at one of their B2B seasons. So we have a, a TV version of our podcast available uh, in Prime. Darian, thank you so much for dropping by today. Are you ready for rapid-fire questions? Rapid-fire, let's do it. Okay, the campaign you are most proud of. Probably um, – uh, feed to feed. It was a Mennonite Central Committee. People gave up their uh, Instagram social feeds for the day to bring awareness about refugees who did not have food. So foodie bloggers who usually posted beautiful food photos posted empty plates, empty bowls, empty cups to bring awareness to people who were hungry in the world. Your favorite movie? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. If Hollywood were to make a movie based on your life story, who would you want to play you? Uh, that little shell from that little animated uh, shell show. My follow-up question, if Hollywood were to make that movie based on your life story, what would you call it? Oh, man, I, 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 a man in his garden. Your favorite book? James and the Giant Peach. Your favorite song? Right now, I'm really into Marshmallow because my kids love it and play it all the time. So right now, I'm going through like a marsh anything Marshmallow at the moment. Okay. The best advice you have ever received? Uh, I heard this quote, Denzel Washington, you know, every morning I start by... Uh, putting my sandals where they belong referencing like when he wakes up he gets down on his knees and kind of puts his sandals back under his bed so like remembering who you are and your place in this world to start the day
0: my signature closing question if you weren't in media and marketing what would you be doing
1: and why in another multiverse in a would,
0: multiverse yeah, perfect comic I, book reference
1: i would love to be a concierge in a hotel
0: darian this has been fantastic thank you so much for your time Thanks for hosting. Wonderful to be here. That's it for today's show. For more episodes, you can go to MediaPeople.ca, your favorite podcast platform, or youtubecom slash And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Vic Genova.